Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi, and I'm joined today by Lisa Murphy. Hello. And it's not early for Lisa. She's probably been up for like three hours. Yes, ma'am. I just rolled out of bed. So <laughs> I hope that, that I am coherent and, uh, you know, whatever other word you want to throw in there. Uh, I have uh, two stages of <clears throat> authentic organic alarm clocks in my apartment. Um, there's a five o'clock round of birds oh. that come in, <clears throat> and then there's a seven o'clock round of birds. So unless <laughs> unless I am super, super, super exhausted, I'm up every day at five um, oh through no gosh. actual intentional choice of my Man. own. Man, <laughs> well, bless your heart. <laughs> bless your heart. <laughs> All right, so Lisa and I are going to talk about, um, we're going to unpack ideas and and about the word patience and how it uh, how it fits with young children and teachers um, from an article that that we've been looking at. So I'm going to go ahead and just give you the quote and the art and the article information and then and then we'll go. So the article is called Patience or Understanding by Nancy Weber Schwartz and it was actually in the 1987 March 1987 issue of Young Children. So we I was still in high school. <laughs> I was too. But we both have some backstories with this article too or some some explanations to give you. So the quote is because I find teaching the young very pleasant I now believe that patience is an undesirable teacher, teacher attribute. Its presence, in large amounts at least, indicates a teacher who finds teaching unpleasant. Bom, bom, bom. Yeah, so we'll just let you hang on that for a minute while we talk about the article itself. Because I know in your brain you're like, what? Of course exactly. you have to be patient. Right? Patience is it's what you have to have right. if you're going to work with children. Well, be patient. We'll get to it. <laughs> So, you know, I'll take the lead yeah, on this. Yeah. So uh, this came back on my radar. Some of your our dual listeners know mm -hmm. um, that I spent a couple weeks ago uh, on d literally the, the, the file cabinet project. And I've got three huge four drawer file cabinets and I completely eliminated the contents of one complete set of of file cabinet. So four drawers of shit got recycled. Some <laughs> of it got um, archived. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But I found this gem. And I reread it and I was like, holy shit, this is so spot on. Yeah. I don't remember reading this, but oh my gosh, clearly it, it resonated with me because I've kept it mm -hmm. pro from probably, you know, my first year of early childhood instruction as a, you know, as a student of early childhood. Um, and then I don't remember what happened. I don't know if I posted it yeah. online <laughs> or sent it to you yeah. or asked you to get me a copy of yeah. it. I don't know you, what happened. Yeah, you sent it to me. And... And I think, yeah, in, to try and get a copy of it. But um, and it, it was amazing for me because this is I, I hadn't read the article, but I have a book called The Power of Guidance by Dan Gartrell that I um, love and go back to. And I use it a lot when I'm um, doing any kind of teacher training, uh, when I was a center director or when I was um, a teacher coach. Um, and he just put like an excerpt in one of ah. his chapters, um, challenging the idea that um, that patience was a good thing. And again, we're going to unpack all of that. But so I used to use um, 
quotes from this article, but, you know, I got it from that book in this game um, that I call quotation rotation that I used to do with teachers in trainings, where I would just pick five or six quotes, put them on flip chart paper and hang them around the room. And I would tell the group to walk around, read all the quotes, find one that spoke to them and stop there. And then when a few people had stopped at the same quote, they were supposed to just talk about why they stopped and what. What an excellent workshop. I love it. And then we'd all come back together and sort of debrief for the whole group. Why did you stop at this one? And what did you think? And then I can also throw in anything I want. I Um, love that. um, It's super fun and super low effort. (laughs) Yeah, right? Um, And actually, I think one of my teachers named it Quotation Rotation. I didn't have a name for it. But um, so shout out to Megan if she's listening. Um, so anyway, but this idea of of challenging the thought that patience is something teachers need has stuck with me for like 15 years now. And I, I go back to it. I just used it in a discussion board post in one of my classes um, like two weeks before you, you texted me about it. And honestly, I thought Dan and I were the only ones in the world who knew about it. <laughs> So when you texted, I was like, oh, yes, let's pot about that. That's amazing. So so that's my backstory with with the quote. Um, so so now we should probably put people out of their misery and explain what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> yes, let's. And then, um, yeah, and then I'll, I, I got I got two things I want to throw in, but it can it can come at any point. It yeah. doesn't need to come yeah. right now. So, yeah, read the actual definition. Yeah. So there. so the article starts with, um, so, you know, the the idea that teachers are described as having so much patience and and we all sort of take that as a compliment and then the author looked up the definition which is um, bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint manifesting forbearance under provocation or strain steadfast despite opposition difficulty or adversity Right. And uh, my mind exploded when I reread this a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Patience. I love what she says. Patience is associated only with unpleasant situations Mm -hmm. and is not even considered in a pleasant context. I had never, ever stopped to think about that. Mentally, I rewrote my infant toddler workshop within seconds after reading this. Really? In my brain. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, and there's, and in my, I, in fact, after we're done today, after some of what comes out, I plan on doing a YouTube post filming for this afternoon on, you know, why I stopped saying that patience is a mm-hmm. virtue. Right. And because I think that's going to be a lot of food for thought. I never had stopped to think about it being negative. No. And, and part of that is because, um, you know, we, we've both talked a lot about teacher ego and um, to be, so to be complimented for our patients all the time. It feeds it's that. It's, Feels it's, like yeah, it's yeah, yeah, I am really patient. I am a really good teacher because I'm patient. And the whole idea then of the rest of the article is if if you're patient, that means you don't like what you're dealing with. And it's a strain on you. And, yes. and you're, you know, a martyr for dealing with it. But if you, on the other hand, just understand development and meet children where they are, and that's why it looks like you're patient to outside people, then that's a different kind of teaching and and a much more desirable characteristic that you understand development rather than that you're just put upon by these children and you're managing to to get through it. Um, yes, I agree. So in the in the sense that 
in in positive usage of the words patience i think what people people are using the word patient to describe what they're seeing mm -hmm. which if you're quote unquote doing it the right way quote unquote is that you're displaying what she is calling then understanding mm -hmm. and and that that the understanding is coming out of your knowledge of of child development um the the box that's on the next page mm -hmm. i love it um if i rely on patience yeah. there's a danger of it running out that that blew my mind. It, <laughs> it did. Oh, yes. You're like, how awesome is that? If you keep digging deep because you're having to push through a situation, at some point you are going to say, screw this. I'm done. Uh -huh. And that's your patience. You've reached the end of your patience. Where uh -huh. if, if you're approaching the child with a, that lens of understanding and that you're understanding because you have knowledge of child development, that is unlimited. Right. If I rely on understanding and this understanding is based on sound developmental theory, it will never run out. Mm -hmm. Right. Not to say that it would never be difficult. Correct. Right. But Correct. You're, you're coming from such a different place that that well is always full you know, that yes. it's always there for you um as opposed to you know having the energy to continue the fight <laughs> and calling it patience um i like how towards uh, the end of the article she says teachers rely on patience when their own basic needs are in conflict with yeah. the needs of their students and we've we've unpacked that kind of notion before too of that that's a very slippery slope if you whether you realize it or not if you're filling your own emotional and psychological voids uh -huh. with your interactions with children um that's that's a tricky spot to be in right um the other one of the other things that really got me was, so it's on the second page in the second column, patience implies disrespect to the child because it's a condescending view that the patient person is somehow superior to the opposition. <laughs> yes. And, and you know what? I was at the zoo. I, I went on a little field trip with my friend, Sarah, and um, you, you and I had like just finished texting uh -huh. and I threw it out to her. Sarah is absolutely brilliant. She has um, appeared on the Risk podcast before. She's a beautiful musician. Um, and by beautiful, I'm meaning her, like literally her voice is I mean just be I mean she's a beautiful person inside and out and anyway I threw it out at her I'm like hey what do you think about this and and this is what she said patience implies that you are tolerating something that is undesirable uh -huh. patience falls short of understanding it's also a little sanctimonious <laughs> and implies superiority in a way understanding is a term of equality of meeting another person where they are uh -huh. No child development knowledge. I mean, nothing. We were <laughs> just, looking at the yeah. elephants, and I'm like, talk to me about what you think about that. That's what she blurted out. I'm like, uh -huh. say it again so I can write it down. Right. And I was like, that, it's so true. Right. I'm being patient. Look at what I'm doing for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? and, and look what I get back. Look what I get in return. Nothing. Yeah, but it's, an, yeah, nothing. <laughs> an ego stroke. Yeah, but but yeah, it's but it's like and it's that uh, but it, it's going to go away. So then you need more of it, right? Yeah, it's like you build up a. Mm, I'm I'm thinking of Bev Boz's old card she'd hold up, and it said it was like temporary compliance when she talked uh -huh. about the reason with the rewards. Like you got to keep getting them, you got to keep getting them to keep the to keep the um compliance happening. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, I need more of it. Yep. So I'm going to go go back to another spot in the article. It's on the second page again. 
the end of the first column, but uh, teachers who expect the kindergarten child, and so that this is here's a here's a clue to how old the article is, because we expect much younger children to do this now. But teachers who expect the kindergarten child to sit quietly while working, to form letters correctly, or to keep your hands to yourself will require patience because of a lack of understanding. Inappropriate demands create tension within teachers, within their students, and between the teacher and child. Um, so. So it goes back to um, expectations, too, in that understanding of development. So, of course, if what we're expecting of children is not realistic, then we're going to get some of that negative um, from the definition, um, you know, bearing pains or trials calmly and without complaint, um, despite steadfast opposition and difficulty. All of that stuff that we're feeling like we have to be patient about goes away. If exactly. we're understanding child development enough to know that those realistic or those expectations just might not be realistic. Yes, I like what she said. The, I underlined this. The teacher does not understand the child's needs and therefore yeah. cannot consider them. Yeah. Impatience results when teachers are dominated by their own needs and cannot adequately take into account the needs of the child. Yeah. God. And you know what? I'm, I do meet resistance to this. When, I, when I've tried to bring it out into whether it's that a lot of times when we were doing the quotation rotation, the people who stopped at that stopped to talk about it because they didn't agree, mm. um, which was always so interesting to me because my immediate response was to have my mind blown <laughs> and yes. to feel like well, this makes so much that- sense. I think the article is fantastic. And in Mm -hmm. fact, sidebar, I actually, um, it was weird. I know you sent me the link, right, with your little, your academic um, (laughs) entry secret code. Right, Um, right. Do you know it actually left the link that you gave me? I didn't get to it in time. So, like, it totally disappeared. So, because of that, I don't know what's weird. Who knows what happened? Yeah. But I've reached out to some of my um, higher ups that I, you know, that have been around also for a while. Uh And I'm like, guys, we need to get in touch with this is this woman still alive first of all right. we need to have a copy we need to reissue this because this whole concept needs to be revisited mm-hmm. and not via us photocopying this 30 some odd year old page of paper right. but it needs to be reprinted mm-hmm. so folks can have current real-time conversations about this right M- my thought to the i don't know how you could possibly push back once you see that she's saying and implying that patients is something that can run out. Right. And so, and like, and that's where that's where the whole article needs to be out and not just the quotes yes. that I was pulling. This whole context needs to be part of a conversation. I agree. I agree. Like cuz my brain I don't know how you could push back. How you it might be a mind shift for you, mm-hmm. right? Paradigm shift. It might be like, "Oh shit. Wow, I had yeah. no idea about that." Okay, but I'm willing to kick it around, talk about it or whatever, unpack it as we say. But I don't know how you could be like diehard resistant to the concept <laughs> because it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Patients can run out understanding of a child's behavior, actions, language, because it's grounded in what you know about child development theory. There is no way that is an unlimited supply, which allows you to be patient, quote unquote, right. and understanding. Right. And, and I ask this question a lot, which teacher would you rather be? The one who is put upon by the opposition all the time and then praised for being able to put up with it or the one who understands what's going on and is able to articulate that for people and able to provide what children need. Um, If if we're talking about ego, which one, which, which camp are you more likely to feel? 
it also, you know, the more you start peeling back the onion, this this is a this is a this needs to be discussed in regard to hiring practices, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole, you know, who are we letting into the profession mm-hmm. and it, you know, clearly you want somebody who enjoys being with children. I get that. And you want somebody who's able to face the idea that what you're really bringing to the table is an understanding. And that requires you to have a a theoretical foundation of what we would call, you know, child development knowledge. Do you bring to the table? Absolutely. I've I've been thinking a lot lately about um, like accreditation criteria and QRIS systems and um, I'm sorry, that's why you're not sleeping. <laughs> it's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but what I what's bit what always gets me with with those things is that. Um, so I've been thinking about it specifically within the context of like discipline and helping children with behavior. That's that keeps coming up for me. Um, and this idea that um, because you were calm and patient on the day the validator was visiting and and didn't mm-hmm. see you um, yelling at the children or grabbing them by the arm roughly or whatever. So you're accredited now because on that day um, you, you, you were able to be patient. Yes. Where I, I think that if there was some sort of uh, part of that process where the teachers had to explain to you why they made decisions in different discipline situations while the validator was there, then that would be a, that would be a different game because totally. because i think um it's it's easy to be able to to control yourself for the 20 minutes that that visitor is in your classroom and then say that you've met that standard um but to do it day in and day out you need that understanding of child development because your patience will run out your ability mm-hmm. and your willingness to put up with what you see as opposition will be very different if no one's watching you. 100%. Yeah. Um, so that was the other place that my mind was kind of going with this is that we just, we well, just, we just don't give enough credit to the process of understanding development. We look at gimmicks and we look at catchphrases <laughs> and we, we look at quick fixes instead of just understanding. <laughs> well, which goes back to, you know, the, the topic that everything comes back to, which is that relationship component. Yeah. You know, if, if you continue to see certain behaviors as a child trying to get your goat, you know, instead of a child trying to seek a, a, a affection, attention, uh-huh. relationship, if, if it depends on which set of eyeballs you're going to see that altercation at, mm-hmm. you know, not an altercation, right. but you see what I'm yes, saying. Yes, you know, yes. How do you define those behaviors? And, and, you know, great will be the day when we no longer need behavior management workshops at, 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 at conferences. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, until there is a shift of realizing that they're not little jerks who are out to, you know, to test your patience. Uh-huh. I mean, if that's, if that's your lens, if that's the narrative that you have subscribed to, this job is going to be the worst choice you've ever made. Yeah. Um, and, and I realize that there again, we got to acknowledge that evolution, you right. know, back in the day, probably everybody, if you're honest, ha- had a little bit of this going on. But, you know, as you grow and evolve and you start to see things differently, um, that that has probably been, I think, one of the biggest gifts that I have been able to receive um, in this profession is mm-hmm. is figuring out how to see some of that behavior for what it is not what my own upbringing or my own mm-hmm. bias might see it as right the moral component yeah and that I think facilitates what she is calling understanding mm-hmm. 
And I, I, I want to throw out that you, you might have to do a little searching if you feel like you need to develop more of this understanding that we're talking about. Um, my experience and the experience of many people I talk with who are, you know, part of early childhood uh, college courses, getting your degree, have your degree, not a lot of time is spent on child development. And that's not something you have control over. The, the college that you go to decides that for you. Um, you get a lot of um, management, classroom management and theory, and but you don't get just nitty gritty at each age. Here's what children are working on and here's what that might look like in your setting and well, I think I think you get that classroom kind of the the table, you know, the the bullet points. Here is what to look for, you know, like mm-hmm. a more of a developmental milestone chart, right. as opposed to the psychological relationship, mm-hmm. you know, social emotional component, right? Um, and or or how how this might present? Yeah, like that's what I was going to say. In a like classroom, real world yeah. examples. Yeah. I don't I don't think, you know. Right, I think so it was more physical development that they were really good at letting you know about, but mm-hmm. you know, and and honestly, if I really think back to those early classes, a lot of it was very. Um, I don't know if stereotypical is the right word, but you know, a, a toddler is going to challenge. A toddler says yes. no. You know, it was very almost superficial. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, I get that, but what's this going to look like when I'm alone with twelve of them in a classroom? You know, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yeah, not realistic. Right. Yep, that's for sure. Um, uh, looking at my highlighted stuff in the article again. The last there, last freaking line of this article. Let me get there. Okay. Get there. Oh. oh. Teachers possess patience or understanding. Patience is rarely necessary when one is understanding. Boom. Da-da. Yes. That Can sounds like such your- a relief. Like <laughs> Well, I think often we make our jobs a hell of a lot more difficult, challenging, and harder than they need to be. Right. And I think that's because we get tripped up in thinking we're supposed to be, quote, doing something with them. And if we create spaces where we can be together mm-hmm. instead of be worrying about be doing curriculum, it allows everybody to come back to, I think, a more – I think a lot of people do this mm-hmm. – but they change it up in real time when they're in the classroom. They start to think, oh, somebody's going to walk in and it looks like that kid's getting yes. away with something. So I meet that kid there instead of pausing. I, and, and I don't, you know, I don't yeah. know. I just, to me, I just think it's one of those concepts that is so amazingly easy, but we overthink it right. and make it more difficult than it needs to be. Yeah. So maybe just keeping this present for yourself somehow, whether that's putting a poster in your room or repeating it to yourself a couple times a day. Um, but, and I, I keep finding myself saying this lately too, is we have to find another way to define good teaching other than control. Yes. You know, and just what you described, someone might come in and they might think that kid's getting away with something. Well, then we have to be able to articulate what's going on or we have to develop a, a ability to not care because yeah. we understand what's going on in the classroom and we understand why we've made the decisions that we've made in that classroom, um, rather than just seeking to control everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which and, and I think it's hard to remember sometimes when somebody comes in for 10 seconds in your classroom and you get all in your head and you're thinking that they're making judgments and all of this kind of stuff. And, you know, 
they might or they might not be. And right. I like what you just said. You said it really fast, but I think you need to be somewhere on that <laughs> continuum of, you know, here on this end of the continuum is really not giving a flying fuck about what this person <laughs> doesn't do this job and is just coming in for whatever reason with the checklist. And if they really are bought in, right, then mm-hmm. they're going to maybe ask me some poignant questions or, you know, I'm going to wait and see. I'm not going to assume that the person walking in is making judgments mm-hmm. on what they're observing. I might have 30 years ago, yeah. but I now. Now I'm going to put the, you're, I'm going to trust that if you have some concerns, you're going to bring it up with me, but I'm not right. going to explain what you're seeing because you're going to leave here in 10 seconds anyway. <laughs> Right. And honestly, that's probably that classroom visitor's focus is just getting out. <laughs> right. This is not for me. I just I'm going to leave again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was one other and this kind of is what we've what we just were talking about, but it's on uh, the second page at the end of the first column. But when I understand, I accept that each child is worth all the time she or he needs because what I accept because I accept what is. I put my energy into effective teaching, not into struggling against the reality that children are children. Yeah. But I, I just love that, that when I understand, I accept that each child is worth all the time they need. Um, because we get into that sometimes too. Well, I'm spending all my time with this one. Then what happens to the children who want to learn? And what happens to the children who are doing what I want them to do? They get neglected. They don't need you in that moment then. In that moment. And that goes back to the ego. If you're Mm -hmm. needing everybody to need you all the time, (laughs) or if you don't think you're doing a good job, unless everybody is sitting in front of you, listening to whatever you're professing from your teacher chair, (laughs) you need to turn the lens inward a little bit Uh and uh, start investigating that. Yep. So um, I also wanted to just throw out there that the article is um, available, obviously, if you you know have that academic access, but it's also available if you're a NACI member. If you log into your NACI account and you go to like resources and you choose young children, then there's a link that takes you to the JSTOR archive. And, and it's, it's a little bit of a process to find it, but you can get it. Um, and it's only three pages. Like it's not it's not a 20 it's page a punch though man yes yes it, so it's it really says, accessible yes very much so yeah read it it should be mandatory reading i mean that was actually my yeah, first no thought kidding. i'm like this yeah. and the culture of childhood every every school should be closed until everybody <laughs> involved and reads this and and if you have any issue with it then you don't belong in this profession mhm wow bold time statement to, <laughs> time to clean house guys yeah so do you want to talk at all um now that i'm gonna put you on the spot but because this article's from 1987 and it's um, relevant in 2019 it's clearly a lesson we still haven't learned yes and what are you what's the and, spot? yeah well because you've been cleaning out your file folder and we keep talking about how you're finding all these old articles that still should be Yes. Okay. Read so lessons we haven't learned yet. So do you want to do you want to do that quick? Sure, I can talk about that right quick. So what I've noticed is that um, a lot of the so my my file cabinets were organized alphabetically. Like there was an accreditation, there was autism, there was special needs, ADD, AD. So it was like a it literally was like a catalog of issues and topics related to early childhood education. My goal was to kind of do a mass purge of anything that was super dated, anything that either wasn't still relevant like because some stuff's like like oh oops that's yeah. not true anymore <laughs> but my my selfish agenda was that if something if I could find something more current that said the same idea like to show that it's still a viable topic in the industry uh-huh. 
I wanted to have an online place where you could access then that stuff. Okay. So the, the idea that play, right? Clearly play, we still got all the play mm-hmm. stuff. Um, um, ADD, ADHD. Okay. That's merged. It's not two different diagnoses anymore. Okay. So let's get rid of the dated stuff or the debunked stuff or whatever. Um, and, and I got rid of stuff that isn't really part of the core Lisa Murphy message. And I said mm-hmm. this to Jeff the other day when we were talking about the process. I think back in the old days, I had a vision of having some kind of a Lisa Murphy lending library where you could come and check things out and photocopy stuff and blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't need to do that. There are experts <laughs> in all of those other areas now. So what is Lisa Murphy out there kind of talking to people about? The reason why this one got left out was mm-hmm. because... I realize that it doesn't matter. There could be 1947 on the print date of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there is a more recent person writing about this concept. And that's why it's still relevant, even mm-hmm. though it's considered ancient. Right. Um, and and the books I'm looking now to see what, what for further reading is in here. You know, of course, Elkind is in there, you know, Child yeah. Development and Education. I mean, they're classic resources that she based this on. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is one of those gems that occasionally you you find in the literature where somebody was onto something and it potentially should have made a huge impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and for whatever reason, as you said, I love what you said. We didn't we didn't learn our, our lesson <laughs> yet. Um so that's that's what's happening now is that yeah. I've, I've gone through, I've got a little pile of ones that I want to revisit for this. Like, is there mm-hmm. somebody thinking about these things? And so that's kind of the Lisa Murphy's next part mm-hmm. of this process. And, and maybe we'll get some more pods out of some of them. Um, but yeah, I, I want I want uh, I want a national international conversation about, about this article. About this. Yeah, that would be amazing. Let's see how we can make that happen. I don't know if I answered. I, not that you asked a question yeah. about that, but that that was the whole like binder thing was, yeah. or, or the the file cabinet challenge, and and yeah. a lot of it, a, a lot of it was, um, and I'll own it. You know the reports that I wrote in high in college, and you know, oh look, I got all these A's on all yeah. these, look at these awesome notes that my professor told me how great I was. You know, like I don't I don't need that any, anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I, yeah, I just wanted I just wanted to speak to the the age of the article a little bit because there is something to be said for making sure that you've got recent information, but this is timeless. <laughs> exactly, and, and 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 that's so true. Is that like one of the reasons in in one of my workshops in the the um, importance of early experiences workshop in the handout is a as an article that appeared that that like disseminated the highlights from a report that was written back in 1990, uh-huh. and down at the bottom, I I have a very clear like, hey guys, if you're a nerd like me, this is so dated. Like this would be kicked out of anything. But here's my rationale as to why uh-huh. I'm still using something that's dated because of how clear and eloquent that it could be said. The difference is, is that the topic of play and the importance of play and social emotional development, you can find something that was written, peer-reviewed, right, empirical, that was written (laughs) last year about that. Point being is that the topic is still timely and still relevant, and you can find more recent things to say, and that's awesome. What you Mm -hmm. have to if I can take be so bold, where you have to be cautious is when your only source is something as old as this article and it's not necessarily still something timely or mm-hmm. where we get very biased if there's been reports and articles that, that have debunked or disproven something right. and we're, but we're still hanging on. We're still hanging on to that. <laughs> that, that I think is a yeah. that, that's my soapbox of of checking your sources and, and yeah. you have to be now, it ha- has something come out in the interim that has said that this is not 
a topic of, <laughs> of worthy of investigation? No. Yeah. And okay. and if someone did, I would have to. I want to read it. I dare you. Show me. Right. Prove it. <laughs> right. That would be something. Yikes. Okay. So again, the article is just called Patience or Understanding by Nancy Weber Schwartz. Find it. Read it. Talk about it. Share it. And worst case scenario, we'll have an intern retype it and we'll just put it, we'll out, just there. Get it out there. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. All right. Okay. Well, thanks. That was fun. It was. Thanks, Heather. I always yeah. love being on your show. Yay. All right. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Oh. Bye. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on.